On today's episode, the Headlands 100 race. I speak with some racers live. And I also have the history of the Headlands. Do not miss it. Welcome to Martha Runs the World, a podcast with a new take on running, fitness, and all things health-oriented. I'm Martha Hughes, your host, and each week I present a new topic that is of interest to all runners. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 36. Today, I'm going to be talking about the Headlands 100 and the history of the Marin Headlands. So in a little bit, we'll be talking about the race or the races because there's four races, four or five races. There's a bunch of races. But first, I'll talk about a brief history of the Headlands area because it's really interesting. And there's a lot of things that have happened in the area over the last couple hundred, actually a few thousand years. But I won't get into the geology of that's a, of the area. That's for another day and another podcast. But I will talk about briefly about the history. I spent this last weekend a few hours up in the races and it brings out all the emotions. It's an amazing race. If you don't want to run ultras yourself, you you want to watch an incredible race. It's fun to go up and be a spectator. In fact, there were lots of people up there as spectators bringing their lawn chairs and their tents, just sitting back and watching. And the weather was great. It started out overcast and a little foggy, but it wasn't cold at all. It was just beautiful weather. And then it turned out sunny and rather warm. So it was really good weather to watch everything. And Saturday is the busiest day. I volunteered Saturday for about six hours. And it was just a lot of fun to encourage everyone. I passed out medals. I rang the the cowbell. It was just a blast. I love it. I I was supposed to run the 50 mile, but with my hip problems, I couldn't do it. The next best thing was to be there and to help out the people who could run it and encourage them and cheer them on and just makes me enthusiastic. And as you know, I'm going to be running anyway, even with my pain. And hopefully next year I'll be able to do uh, the 50 mile. So I plan to anyway. So that's the plan. (laughs) Before I get started with that, I do have a couple housekeeping issues. I want to first, I want to give credit to Lisa Devona for giving me the idea of having Ray Sanchez on last week in episode 35, because without her talking about Lisa Devona in her Badwater interview. So thank you, Lisa, very much. Appreciate it. So I wanted to give her credit with that. And then next, I want to give our disclaimer You are listening to a running and fitness podcast. I'm a certified personal trainer and lifelong back-of-the-pack runner. All opinions expressed are just that, opinions. Feel free to disagree. All right, that is taken care of. And so the Headlands area, the territory just north, if you go across the Golden Gate Bridge and you see the area... It's all empty to the left is all open space. That's the Marin Headlands. And it was originally the home to the Miwok Native American tribe. They were the first to inhabit the area. There's a significant amount of Miwok artifacts that were discovered in the, in the area. They believe that they were there for over 7,000 years. They were tideland hunters and gatherers. 
and they lived primarily off fish, nuts, berries, and game. And they lived in these conical houses and little hamlets, villages, located along the bays where it was easy to get food. And I'm going to give um, links to all the websites that I got information from so I don't steal. I, you know, I get the information, but I just want to let you know where I got the information from. So then in 1776, the Spanish arrived in the San Francisco Bay and quickly established a fort, the Presidio of San Francisco, and a mission. And so the mission is in the Mission District. It was the first established building in San Francisco. And as the Spanish settled in Marin, they settled there in 1793. They took over the area, of course, and then they depleted the native grasses and they cut down the trees for lumber and all that fun stuff. Then when Americans came in, it was William Antonio Richardson was granted a 20,000-acre ranch named Rancho Sausalito. And then it remained largely rural, undeveloped. And then a successful San Francisco real estate developer, Samuel Throckmorton, purchased the land and subdivided it into dairy farming ranches. Um, In 1889, the Tamil Pius Land and Water Company took over Throckmorton's land, and the company subdivided the vast holdings into small towns like Mill Valley. But then, as part of the harbor defenses, the U.S. Army purchased a large amount of the dairy farming land to establish Fort Baker, Fort Berry, and later Fort Cronkite. And during the war era, I know in the early 1900s, it was the U.S. military constructed a series of military fortifications to prevent enemies from coming into the San Francisco Bay. So it was during World War One, and especially during World War Two, the structures known as batteries were to have to house large guns uh, to prevent attacks from air and water. World War II, especially, they didn't know if the Japanese were going to attack the the coastline. They had no idea, and that was a big fear at that time. So, and and you can visit the sites. Some of the batteries are still are open that you can go walk through and crawl through and visit. And some of them are only open like once, like one Sunday or one weekend a, a month. And there are tours you can take. Cold War. During the Cold War, there were lots of there were Nike missile sites all throughout the Bay Area as well. Now, there's only one Nike missile site now, and that is in the headlands, and it's blocked off, but you can go past it and you can actually see it. The least common story is that of Marincello, that that was the town that was proposed to be built right in the headlands. And it was a new town. It was supposed to have homes and apartments and a hotel and a shopping center. And it was just going to destroy the area. And fortunately, um, the people just protested and just fought back and stopped it from being built. The area, the landowners and owners at the time, Gulf Oil, went bankrupt. It was bought up by the Nature Conservancy in 1972 and who transferred ownership to the national parks. And that's when the national parks bought up the whole area and made it to uh, the GGNRA, the Golden Gate National Recreation Area that we know today. So there's a lot more detail to the history, but that's pretty much a brief history of the area. It's fascinating, too, because the area gets a lot of visitors, 
and it's wide open. It's free to visit. There's no charge for parking or anything like that. Of course, there's no services once you're out here. You're not, there's, no, there's no food stand. There's no restaurants. And a lot of the areas, there's no water. I mean, at Rodeo Beach, yeah, there's water. Uh, there's restrooms and stuff. But like at Tennessee Valley, there's no water. There is a restroom there, but there's absolutely no water. And it's very primitive in a lot of areas. There is some camping. You There is camping facilities, but again, they're primitive and you have to bring in your own water and everything. But it's very close to town. Mill Valley is right there. <laughs> You're a five-minute drive to anywhere you want. And it's not that far of a walk. So you're close to things. But you feel like you're far away. And what makes the area so amazing is that you have all these ecosystems in one place. You have these cliffs and these trails, hundreds of miles of trails, so you never get bored. I mean, you have beaches and forests and prairies and grasslands and the ocean right there and rivers and streams and scrublands and sand dunes, and wetlands, and marshes, and the animals. I've seen so many different kinds of animals there. I mean, you have everything there. So it's never boring. It's always exciting. And it's just a phenomenal place. So when the Headland Hundreds race comes up, it is it is a super challenging race. It's tough. It, it's hard. So anyone who, who does it, and anyone who, who finishes it, is just badass as far as I'm concerned. They are awesome. And I just, I was in awe this weekend by all the people who ran it. They, they rock. They're, they're amazing. Speaking of this weekend, I did spend a lot of time down at Rodeo Beach Saturday. And then I came back Sunday to get some recordings of people who ran the race and who watched the race. And it was really fun. Just a lot of fun. Volunteering Trail races is one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. You get so much appreciation from the runners, and it's just a blast. It's so much more fun than handing out bananas at a road race. <laughs> it's, it's great. So if you ever get a chance to volunteer at a trail race, please do it. You'll never be sorry. Plus, you get free races out of it. I want to really thank everyone with Pacific Coast Trails. Greg and Jen and Trina and Emily and Chef and everyone else, all the very cool people that work very, very hard to put on these races because they they work hard all year and do a great job. So thank you so much. I also want to play you some recordings that I made and granted that's not the best quality. It's not studio quality, but I think they came out pretty well considering I used my teeny little microphone and to, that I attached to my phone. So I think they did pretty good. So I think you'll enjoy it. Okay, hi everybody. I am at the Sunday, the end of the Headlands 100. We're watching everybody come in of the 100 milers. It's quite the spectacle. We just had a whole bunch of cowbells. So all you would have heard is cowbells. I'm gonna be talking to real quick here to my friend Michael. So let's go over to here. Hi, Michael. How are you? Oh, good. Who's this? This is the podcast. <laughs> oh, podcast. Yeah. So, Michael, so let me ask you. So how many times have you run the Headlands 100? I've done the Headlands race since 2013, one okay. distance or another. So, okay. 
Very cool. What do you think of when you think of the Headlands 100, what do you think of? What does it remind you of? It reminds me that you're too tired to drink a beer after the race. (laughs) That's a good answer. I just love these loops over here. I know this course. I mean, I know all these trails like the back of my hand. I train on them. So it's pretty cool telling you know, runners out there, hey, you're going to go up for a mile and a half at a 3% grade or something. Well, you got excuse me, runners coming yeah. in. Okay, well, thank you so much. Okay, everybody, so we're back. Now we're going to talk to Chuck. So hi, Chuck, how are you? I'm doing well now that I'm done. <laughs> That's good. Done, done is good. Yeah, it was good. I'm, I'm feeling good. Glad to have been out there. Things went up and down and sideways during the day, and I was glad to persevere and had a lot of help and support. And uh, what can I say? I love the sport. Awesome, awesome. So what do you think of when you think of the Headlands 100? I think of a very, very tough race. It's a sneaky, tough race because you're doing the same loop four times. You're switching directions. I'm a social runner, so what I like about it is seeing people coming and going. And I know a fair amount of people out here, and I just love seeing people coming and going and giving support, receiving support. Um, I love the trails out here. Um, You know, and there's always something different to have happen when you're out here, you know, going out for 100 miles. Something's always going to happen, and uh, it's going to be interesting. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay, thanks a lot. Okay, we're back with Emily, who is an EMT, and she works all the uh, Pacific Coast Trails events. So, hi, Emily. Hi, how are you? I'm, I'm good. So, so Headlands 100, is that a special uh, race for you, do you think? Yeah, any 100-mile race um, is a big deal for me, especially because I get to see the people who finish the 100-mile, and their emotional reactions are always have a special place in my heart. This and this one is this one especially difficult too with the steep hills. Yes, the um, the feet I've seen at the end of this, the end of this race are a testament to those hills. The feet are like ah, the ones you you don't want to put on Facebook. It's like ah. Yeah, no, I, nothing I learned in school could have prepared me for those. <laughs> yeah, there should be probably a special course for that in in, in medical training. You wouldn't end up with any EMTs. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They probably uh, don't tell her about that. Shh, 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 keep that away. <laughs> so, so is there anything special this year, or anything that you've seen so far? It's always special when someone runs their first long distance race, um, and it's always great to me when people have a big crew waiting for them when they finish, and also when someone finishes on their own to see people's personal reasons for running. Um, or not to just know that people have their reasons for running. That's excellent. I know you don't. You haven't had much sleep, so I won't keep you. But thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, we're back. We get some more. And today we have two Canadian ladies with us. We have Iris and Lourdes. Hi, Iris and Lourdes. Hello. Hello. And I only have one little mic, so I'm going to have to, like, split it up here. So bear with me. So what, okay, Iris, what brings you two to California? Uh, I actually come down to California a couple of times a year. We have a lot of snow in Calgary, and California gives me a break from the snow with some wonderful trails and events. Nice, that's very nice. So Lourdes, oh, you can hear the cowbell. Someone's coming in. Woo! So, um, is this your first time running this race, Lourdes? Yeah, yes, this is the first time. 
we've, I'd never heard of them before, but Iris has run a couple of their other races. And so we decided to come on down and run Okay, so here are the cowbells. Woo! Okay, so I'm gonna pause it. Okay, we're back. We're back. I had to stop it because we had a couple runners coming in and you can't hear with the cowbells and we wanted to see that photo finish. All right. So now, Loris, you did the seven, you did the 75, right? Wow. How'd that go for you? Um, it was good. It was hard, but it was really good. It, it was a nice break from our trails. These trails aren't quite as technical as ours are, so quite a bit more runnable. And um, it was real s smooth. Like, I like that. It was really nice. Nice. Very good. Very good. They're really super steep, though. Yes, they are really steep. But we train on the Canadian Rockies, oh. which are like half an hour from where we live. So... Those are a little steeper. <laughs> so, so which one did you do? The 70 75. Ma, the 75, 75 yes. 75? Well. What, yep. what was the hardest part, Iris? Uh, going back out on the third loop. <laughs> I said we should do the 50. <laughs> Just saying. But it was nice finishing. It was nice finishing, and I'll remind Lourdes, as she says, it was her idea to do the 50. The 75 meant she got uh, a top three award and uh, an age, age group award. So She won it overall. Congratulations to both of you guys. You guys are champions. Woo! Yeah! There was, there was eight people, I think, signed up for the 75. Oh, yes. let's, let's be sure to give that detail. There was only eight of us that started. You don't have to. <laughs> just just say just say you right. won, and that's all you need. It seems like a really good community, though. It's it, nice. It, it's really nice. We have... We have yeah, we have excellent trail runners here, and it's a lot of fun. Well, thank I, you. I, is, one final comment. I was super impressed by the volunteers overall, but I, I'm going to single out those volunteers who were at the uh, water station. Oh, yeah. They literally, they just had one little table. I came there at night. There was one gal there by herself. I was just, I was amazed that people are willing to stand out in the middle of nowhere at what was supposed to be an unmanned water station and be willing to be there to help us out. So appreciate all the volunteers but that gal <laughs> being there by yourself through the night with all the wild animals yes, yes. <laughs> we have a lot of wild animals up here yeah that's 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 pretty that's pretty badass actually yeah. <laughs> all right well thank you so much ladies have a have a, have a safe trip home yeah thank you so much thanks martha all right yeah well um, i'll look for it because i am um, i just started listening to podcasts so i'll look for it excellent thank you all right we're here with tj and TJ ran the 100. So TJ, how are you? Uh, feeling pretty good, all things considered. Great, great, great. So how, how did you do today? Uh, better than expected, actually. Cool. Yeah. Did about, finished about an hour ahead of what I was planning on doing, so I've been pretty happy with that. Nice, nice. Sounds like training went well for you then. Um, it went okay, but I guess I just... Just had a felt good out there. I guess it was just a good day for me, relatively. So yeah. Nice, nice, nice. What um, what loop do you think gave you the most trouble? Probably loop three, actually. Just kind of got sleepy out of nowhere. That was kind of rough for me, and kind of had some shin splint issues going on. Mm. But um, they kind of went away after a little bit, and, and I had some coffee and felt better. Good, good, good. Yeah. Well, caffeine always always makes you feel better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very good, very good. So, uh, what do you? What is your routine? What do you do after a race? Um, after this, I'm probably gonna 
put a couple of big ice bags all over my legs, and then I uh, kick my feet up, and well, eat food first, and then yeah, just throw ice all over my legs, and um, try to sleep. Nice, nice, nice. So when you think of the Headlands Hundred, what do you think of? Um, great local running community. Eh. Yeah, just in that sound like great, honestly, world class events. That's kind of unfortunately just kept in a little small area here. Well, maybe that's for the best, but yeah, it's a great morning community. Nice, nice. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. We'll have enjoy your 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 rest and eat lots of excellent fatty, yummy food. That's the plan. I'm here with Jordan. How are you, Jordan? How are you feeling? I'm feeling really good. Thank you. So I know you're tired because it was a it's a grueling race, obviously. Yes, uh, yes, very tired right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what are your plans for the rest of the day? Um, I'm gonna take a shower here and then I'm going to board the plane and head back to Tucson, Arizona, um, so I can get to work tomorrow morning. Wow, that's a long trip. Uh, yeah, it, it, I have to do a layover, so it's like an eight-hour trip. Back. Yeah, <laughs> that is that is wild. So make sure you get a lot of food in you before you go. Yes. Yep. I've been eating and drinking all afternoon. Good. Good. Well, that's good. Well, well, I'm you know glad to have you here. It's 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 a pretty amazing race. Yes. Thank you for having me. I I love this race. So, yep. Glad to be here. Do you do it every year? Um, I did it two years ago, and I fell in love with it. Um, the aid stations are so well stocked and manned, and um, it's such a beautiful course. I had to come back last year. I couldn't make it because I was doing a different race, but super glad to be here this year for it. What do you think of when you think of the Headlands 100? Um, I think of the beauty and the running community. This community is super great. Um, even everybody that's on the course that's not running, um, that's just simply out hiking, everyone's super nice. They, you know, they acknowledge that you're running the race. They move over for you. Um, it's just really a treat to see everybody out there um, just running the headlands because it's not easy for anybody. Excellent. That's absolutely true. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate it, and good luck on your, on your trip home. Thank you. You're welcome. That was terrific. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Michael and Chuck and Emily and Ooh, Lourdes and Iris and TJ and Jordan. I really appreciate you all for giving your opinions and allowing me to share them with my listeners because I know you guys appreciate it. Thank you very, very much. All right. Now, I don't have the top performers of, of the race of, of the 100-mile distance yet and when, if I get those by publish time I'll put them on the website but as of right now I don't have them I do have the course records though for the 100 mile the course record was for the men was set in 2016 by uh, Chikara Omine or Omine that's O-M-I-N-E he set it 16 hours 56 minutes and 31 seconds that is blazing fast. And the women's record was set in 2013 by Beverly Anderson Abs at 20 hours, 27 minutes, and 24 seconds. And that is so fast. And those two runners just, wow, mind-blowingly mind fast. And with, with the amount of elevation in the hills and those steep, steep trails... And it isn't just, you know, constant uphills. It's just the, the, the some of the trails are so steep that, yeah, there are 
lots of races that go to higher elevation, but the steepness of those trails is just what gets to me. There's one part of the coastal trail that is like a mile, nothing but steepness, and it just wears on your muscles and your bones. And that was right where I fell. I got down off the off the coastal trail right before Tennessee Valley, and it was so steep for so long that my I think my legs were just so tired that I just fell over a little bitty rock and hit my head. <laughs> yeah, that's when I had the bump on the head. I was bleeding all over my face. And nobody asked if I was okay. <laughs> good times, good times. <laughs> I just say, memories. <laughs> oh, well. It happens. I lived. That is That was the weekend, and it's a really memorable weekend, and it really makes me want to do it the 50-miler next year. So we'll see. If my body cooperates, I'll do it. Uh, if I can get, pull myself together, if I can get everything, if everything aligns properly, I will do it. So we'll see. Now, we have some really, I have some really cool things coming up in October. So if you're, if you become a Patreon supporter, if you donate through Patreon a dollar or more a month, and it just takes a buck a month, you'll get some special content that no one else will hear. Only Patreon supporters will hear the special content that I'll start adding in October. There's a button on the website and the website address is MarthaRunsTheWorld.com. Email me at MarthaRunsTheWorld at gmail.com. And I love suggestions of future show ideas because I really listen to them. I love it when my listeners send ideas. Why don't you do this for show? What, why don't you do this? Because they are terrific ideas. I mean, runners are very intelligent people. And the ideas are great. And I have used them in a couple shows before. So if you send me suggestions, I very well might use them. So please send it in. You can also join our Facebook group, which is the Martha Runs the World podcast Facebook group. <laughs> I know it wouldn't be under another name, right? <laughs> it's kind of obvious. And we will be back next. I will be back. Why do I? I don't know why I say we because it's just me. <laughs> but I will be back next week with another show. And until then, let's tie up our shoelaces and go for a run. And thank you so much for joining me. Thank you.